In our final consideration under the question, what do we know about limitations imposed upon the exercise of God's loving kindness and mercy from the Bible, we have been observing that God's pardoning mercy is not available to us any time we may choose. There are time limitations involved from several angles. There are special times of enlightenment bestowed by the kindness and grace of God. These are of the nature of climaxes, when God seeks to persuade us to forsake our sins and be reconciled to him through saving faith in the death of Christ. Then the servants of God have part in this special influence, in that they take an interest in us to preach the gospel to us. They pray for us and plead with us to yield to God's loving and righteous claims. If we do not respond to these special invitations, when shall we ever respond? Then again, it is not as easy for us to respond to God at one time as at another. Every time we reject God's moral light and pleadings to forsake sin, we make our hearts harder or increase our resistance to the truth. As time passes, therefore, it becomes far more difficult to obtain our own consent to give up our sins and become adjusted to God's way of holiness. Every year in sin makes it less probable that we ever will be saved. According to Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, this hardening process of deceit is a voluntary thing, and thus all are admonished to take heed. There we read, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Here we see that our departing is an evil heart of unbelief. Nothing can be called evil except we have a responsible part in it. Thus, as we reject the light of God's truth, we harden our heart and become more deceitful in our own thinking and more dishonest with our own selves as we make false excuses to cover up our refusal to submit to God. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 and 19, we have a very tragic situation indeed. There we see that as truth is rejected, it leads to a deadening to the movings of the Holy Spirit or to a state of being past feeling. How alarmed men are when parts of their bodies begin to show lack of response or get out of control, but multitudes do nothing when they fail to be moved by God's claims as they used to be. There we read, This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Notice these uh, progressive steps downward, refusing to receive the enlightenment of the understanding 
there is an alienation entering in. And then we read, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. So we are apt to reject the light of God and harden our heart to the extent that we are past feeling. Indeed, it is tragic to consider such a fact, but how evident it is in the experiences of men. Thus it is that the older we get, the more difficult it is to get our own consent to forsake our sins and give ourselves up to the mercy of God in repentance. Of those who have really been converted and reconciled to God, far more did so in their youth than afterwards. Thus there is the greatest urgency that we delay no longer. We will never be more susceptible to the truth than we are now. Every delay will result in greater hardness and make our yielding to God more difficult. It will just entrench us more deeply in the pathway of rebellion. Thus time is important to us in not limiting God's mercy. But in the third place, it is most solemn to ponder that unless we repent of sin and seek the face of God for forgiveness in this life, we shall forever limit the exercise of God's loving kindness and mercy toward us. For we read in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, that it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. The present life alone is probationary. According to the revelations of the Bible, none shall experience God's forgiving grace and mercy in the eternal world who have refused it in this present world. This is a most sobering thought, is it not? It is not that men will not seek for the mercy of God in the great beyond, but it is that God deems men's responsibility in this life so great that their choice of sinful indulgence in preference to submission to his loving dispensations is to be regarded as final. Let us read a few scriptures. In the seventh chapter of Matthew, verses 21 to 23, our blessed Lord warned of the absence of mercy in the future life to those who had not sought him in truth in this life. And so in this great Sermon on the Mount, we read these impressive words. Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Here are a whole mass of religious folk who thought they were serving God, but they shall awaken to the tragic fact that they never really submitted to the kindness and mercy of God. And so as they limited the mercy of God in their natural lifetime, the mercy of God toward them will be forever limited throughout the ages of eternity. In the 13th chapter of Luke, verses 24 to 29, we have another admonition 
from our blessed Lord toward the close of his ministry. There would be a shut door to his mercy, he declared. Strive to enter in at the straight gate, for many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. When once the master of the house is risen up and has shut to the door, and ye begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And he shall answer and say unto them, I know ye not whence ye are. Then shall ye begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thou hast taught in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know ye not whence ye are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, when ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves thrust out. And they shall come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south and shall sit down in the kingdom of God. Here again we have a great mass of folk who profess to know God. They call our Lord Jesus Lord, Lord. They were acquainted with him, but they never really gave their hearts to him and were never reconciled to God in an experiential fashion, and so the blessed Lord shall have to declare to them that he never came to have a personal acquaintance with them. They were never reconciled to him. They never came to really love him out of the depths of their hearts, and thus their portion shall be the awful doom of those who rebel against the great God of the heaven. In the 16th chapter of Luke, our Lord's account of the rich man and Lazarus spoke about a great gulf fixed. Here in the 19th verse we read, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from hence. What a dreadful tragedy it is to ponder the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here we find that this departed one who failed to give his heart to God, 
who failed to avail himself of God's mercy and kindness in the great torment of his endless ages. There he was ready to seek God, but alas, it was too late. He had refused his opportunity. His mind rose up to torment him by reminding him of all the mercies and kindnesses of God and all the things that he had refused in his lifetime. And so he sought the mercy of God, but the scripture reveals it shall be too late. And on the other hand, here was Lazarus who had been reconciled to God, who had confessed himself as a sinner, had been forgiven, and he is enjoying the mercy of God. And thus we see that life is so responsible that death ends the opportunity of receiving the mercy of God in forgiveness. May we pray. Our Heavenly Father, how solemn it is that our lives are accountable to Thee, and that Thou hast pled with us to receive Thy mercy and loving kindness, and to remove the limitations. So we pray that many may come to a realization of the tragic facts involved, may repent of sin, come to Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, through faith be forgiven, and be reconciled to thee, living in happy service forever, in Jesus' name, amen.